Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us now to hear your voice. Help us by your Holy Spirit to understand your word and to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered to yourself why we do the things that we do the way that we do them here in St. Matthew's? Perhaps this is your first visit here and you've had some questions pop into your head already this morning. Questions like, why is the minister wearing what looks like a black dress and a white sheet? Or... Uh, The question, why do we stand up and sit down so many times? It's because it's Anglican aerobics, you see, so you get your exercise on a Sunday morning up and down. Uh, Or another question, why will we sprinkle some water over Henry's head in a few minutes' time? But even if this is your millionth visit to St. Matthew's, you still might have some questions about why we do things the way that we do them. Especially if you've ever been to a different sort of church and you see that they do things differently. So, for example, my brother-in-law is a Presbyterian minister. And right now he is probably standing in his pulpit preaching a sermon as well. Now if you could, um, if Raymond could change the channel... Uh, And if Brian appeared on the screen behind me, uh, you might notice some differences in the way that we do things and they do things. So, for example, Brian is wearing a shirt and tie. Uh, He doesn't wear any of these uh, fancy robes. Uh, They will have sung some Scottish metrical psalms this morning and we haven't sung any of those. They sit down And don't sing whenever the offering is being received, whereas we'll sing a hymn uh, when that's happening. And uh, you'll be glad to hear, he'll probably be preaching for a lot longer than I'll be (laughs) preaching this morning. And when you notice the differences between us, you'd want to know why. Why does he do this and we do something different? Well, this sort of question is what's happening in our Bible reading this morning. Some people have noticed that Jesus' disciples, his friends and followers, are doing something different to other religious groups. And so they want to know why that is. Uh, We'll see how the question comes about in verse 18. And if you have the Bible in front of you, page 1004, you'll be able to follow along to see what's happening. Page 1004, verse 18. It says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. The John mentioned there is John the Baptist, the man who had prepared the way for Jesus, had got people ready for Jesus' coming. And the Pharisees 
They were a Jewish religious group. They hoped that they would bring about God's kingdom by their keeping of the Old Testament laws. But to to make sure they didn't just keep the rules, they also had rules about the rules and they kept them as well. They were very strict in their religious practices. And we're told that both groups, John's disciples and the Pharisees, were both fasting. That is, they weren't eating any food. Maybe for a day, maybe for longer, for a religious reason. Everyone knew that those groups were fasting. They would have made it clear and obvious so that everyone else would know just how seriously they were taking their religion. So it was very noticeable that Jesus and his disciples weren't fasting. They were just eating as normal. They weren't keeping the same strict regime as those other religious groups. And so that's why the question is asked of Jesus there in verse 18. How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus' disciples are standing out. They're doing something different from all the other religious groups. Why not? And as Jesus answers, he says that basically his disciples can't be fasting when it's a time for feasting. Let's look at what he says, verse 19. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot as long as they have him with them. Today is a special and significant day for Henry and for all you friends and family who have come here to be with him. And imagine that you all gather after the service only to be told, actually, we're not going to have any food or any drink to celebrate. We're just going to sit around and keep a a fast together. That wouldn't be much of a party, would it? No, not really. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says that he is the bridegroom and so there's a party. Jesus is the one who brings joy. So how could his followers fast and more when he's with them? Some writers have suggested that the fasting that the Pharisees were doing may have been in in anticipation of the arrival of the long-promised Messiah, the Christ, God's King, who would come to rule over God's people. But why fast and wait for him to come whenever he's already here? That's why the disciples of Jesus aren't fasting. The king has come. The reason to celebrate is already here. The party has begun. This is why Christians love to sing. Why we're joyful. Because we know the difference that Jesus has made in our lives and is making in our lives. And if you'd like to know that joy for yourself, 
If you'd like to experience it for the first time or all over again, then I'd be delighted to help you after the service. But notice what Jesus goes on to say in verse 20. He has said that the disciples rejoice because Jesus is with them. And then he says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. Jesus was with the disciples for three years. He went about with them. He taught them. He led them. He showed them his power and his glory. But then the time came when he was taken from them. Jesus is referring there to his death on the cross. Already in chapter 2, at the very start of Mark's gospel, Jesus already knows that he is on his way to the cross, that he will be taken away from his disciples, indeed abandoned by them, to die in order to take away our sin. Jesus knew what lay ahead for him. He knew that the disciples would fast and mourn in those days around the cross. But they were just a few days while Jesus lay in the tomb. You see, Jesus' death wasn't the end of the story. He rose to new life, to resurrection life. He lives today and continues to give us his joy. So why don't Jesus' disciples fast? Because Jesus, the bridegroom, is with them. They have a reason to feast and celebrate and rejoice. But Jesus then goes further to show that he isn't in the business of just mending and making do and fixing up. Rather, he's in the business of making all things new. And to show us how Jesus makes all things new, he uses two everyday examples. Look at verse 21. He says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. We've seen that already this morning with the boys and girls, haven't we? The old garment, the uh, the favourite t-shirt or shirt or whatever it is. And there's a hole in it. Well, what you don't do is you don't get some new fabric which hasn't been shrunk and make a patch with it. Because whenever you wash it for the first time and whenever you wash it after that, the new patch will shrink. It'll make a bigger tear. Just patching it up with some new cloth isn't going to work. The new will destroy the old. Or think about the second example in verse 22. Jesus says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. These days you normally get wine in glass bottles, at least that's how the communion wine comes. But in the time of the New Testament, wine came 
in wineskins. They were leather containers which held the wine. So if you had new wine, Jesus says you don't pour it into an old wineskin, one that has already been used, because it will have been stretched to the limit as the wine fermented inside it. It may have become brittle and hard. To put new wine into an old wineskin would risk bursting the wineskin and losing the wine. The solution to the problem? New wine goes in new wineskins. Do you see what the two stories are telling us? The new patch will tear the old garment. The new wine will burst the old wineskin. In both cases, the new material and the new wine are for new things. And the old is to be left behind, to be discarded. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that the old religious system, the the Jewish ceremonies and and things like fasting, they're like the old garment and the old wineskins. But they can't contain, they can't handle, they can't cope with the newness that Jesus brings, the newness of God's kingdom. The Pharisees and John's disciples were fasting as they waited for the Christ to come. But Jesus the Christ has come. And he doesn't really fit into the old categories in the same way. Jesus isn't in the business of patching up the old thing. He brings in something new at the new wine of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives as well. Jesus isn't interested in helping you to patch up your life as it is. Just a wee bit of help every so often. Just a patch that you put on Sunday mornings. Just a a bit of minor fixing up a few wee bits of your life. It won't work. And Jesus isn't interested in doing that. Jesus wants to make you new. Not by tackling a New Year's resolution if you're still going with it by now at the end of January. But by making you new. Clothed in a new garment. His spotless righteousness. Made a new wineskin for him to fill with his new wine at the joy of his kingdom. Imagine that. A fresh start. A new way of living. A new identity as a follower of Jesus. A child of God. Jesus came into the world. He died on the cross. So that you can have this fresh start. So that you can experience the joy of knowing him. It's why the disciples weren't fasting. Waiting for God's kingdom to come. They were already living in it. And that's an offer for you today as well. 
You can share in this joy today as you trust in Jesus, as you're made completely new. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help each of us to know him, to experience him. So, Father, we pray that we would indeed see and know the Lord Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen.